Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Coach the Coach Radio. Brought to you by the Business Radio X Ambassador Program. The no-cost business development strategy for coaches who want to spend more time serving local business clients and less time selling them. Go to brxambassador.com to learn more. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Coach the Coach Radio, and this is going to be a fun one. Today we have with us Sharon Sapir with Sapir Nutrition. Welcome, Sharon. Hi, Lee. Thanks for having me. Well, I am so excited you're here. Uh, but before we get too far into things, tell us about Sapir Nutrition. How are you serving folks? Sure. So I'm an online nutritionist. I um, help people from all over the country and actually the, the world because everything is done virtually. So I help them um, eat healthier and or lose weight if that's one of their goals. And we do this all through online communication. Now, um, was when you were younger, was this something you were like, okay, I'm going to be a nutritionist? Was your career always aimed at being a nutritionist? Um, no, I actually got to it because of, of my own struggles with food. Um, as a kid, I was a bit obsessed with junk food and I came from a household where uh, we didn't have a lot of it. I mean, we had Fig Newtons because my mom thought they were healthy because of the figs, but otherwise it was really devoid of any fun food. And I grew up around a lot of talk about weight and, you know, don't eat salad dressing because that's fattening and don't eat this because it's fattening. Um, but I had a kind of a complicated relationship with food from a young age. And as I got older, uh, got really into the diet books and then found myself more confused than ever. So it was definitely an evolution towards um, getting the right information, finding a balanced, uh, a balanced view towards food and health, and then helping other people achieve that too. So then you went uh, through college, you have your degree in nutrition, right? That's your background. Yeah. So, you, so you went all in on this. You were like, okay, I'm going to learn about this, and then I'm going to really get educated about, you know, the truth behind it, because there is a lot of misinformation when it comes to, um, you know, nutrition. Oh, yeah, I, I found myself really confused. Um, in high school, I read probably every diet book that was out there at the time, The Zone, Atkins, um, Brain Free Diet, I mean, all sorts. And I, I wanted to actually go for my undergrad in nutrition, but my parents were immigrants. And when I said, I want to go for nutrition, they're like, mm, nope, not, not, not paying for that. You know, you're, you're going to earn buckets. So um, I, I went to NYU for, I got my degree in politics and a minor in pre-business, but I was still struggling with food. My weight was fluctuating a lot. Um, I was restricting, I was binging. And um, it really took until after college, I got married, I had my daughter, she was about a year old. And I said, you know what, I'm an adult now. Like I am married, I have a kid. If I want to go to school for nutrition and really figure this out once and for all, I'm going to do it. 
So I took my prerequisites and I um, obtained my master's of science in nutrition and education from Columbia University. And that was really the beginning of taking an evidence-based approach to nutrition. Now, um, what was it like when you graduated, you're out on your own, and now you have to get a client? And now you're kind of responsible. I don't want to say fully responsible, but you're going to have some impact on this client. Did, was that a challenge for you to go from, okay, I feel I'm qualified and educated enough to help others, but now here's the logistics and mechanics of doing that. How am I going to go about doing that? Yeah, that was hugely challenging. Um, I... I basically spoke to whoever I could about the fact that I'm a nutritionist and I'm passionate about helping people. And the other thing I did was I helped a lot of people for free, which I know that's a controversial um, approach, I guess, based on, on the person you ask. But I felt like the best way for me to get a a good reputation, hopefully, right, is to help a lot of people and to help them succeed. And then I knew that they would then spread the word. So originally, I, I worked myself probably a bit too hard, um, helping whoever I could either for free or for a very low rate. Um, but eventually, it, it really helped me to establish a reputation for myself. Um, as an expert who really cares and helps. Then at some point you were like, okay, uh, enough for free. I'm running out of free. Um, this is now what I'm doing for a living or it's helping me uh, have a, a living. And uh, and then you just started increasing your rates. Like how did you kind of move from free to paying? Because a lot of times when things are free, they don't have value from a client standpoint. They think it's something that I can miss or I don't have to take it seriously because I don't really have skin in the game. Um, did did that occur kind of dramatically or did you just get it to a point where you were like, okay, I have to charge everybody now? Yes. I mean, it really had to do with demand. So as I was getting more demand, obviously I, I couldn't um, well, I had to charge for it too. And also with by working with a lot of people, experience is experience. So I could have a degree from a top university, but it doesn't replace the experience that I get from working on the ground. And once I felt like I had quite a bit of that um, and and probably more than some other people who are, who are charging a lot for the same services, I, I said, okay, it's, it's really time. And um, what I did is I just increased so whoever was free was free. Um, but, and, and it's interesting what you said about skin in the game. It, it depends. Um, I think I got good at screening people for um, whether really like how much they cared um, because I did have a number of free clients who were incredibly successful even though it was for free. Um, because they really wanted it and needed it. And yes, I did have some clients who I could tell didn't care that much. And, and part of it was probably because it was free. So it, it is hard to assess. And I didn't do this for too long either. Um, I quickly realized my, my value for one. And as demand was going up, I said, okay, it's 
time. It, it's really time. And I increased my rate slowly. I didn't, you know, I, I it was more for myself and perhaps a, for, from a confidence standpoint to increase it incrementally. Um, but that's what worked for me. And that's great advice for coaches out there when they're just, especially when they're just getting started and they might be credentialed and they just don't feel confident enough to charge maybe what uh, they deserve, but they can ease into it. There's no right or wrong way of doing this. Uh, some people will feel more confident like, hey, I got the credential. Now my rate's X or my rate's 5X or whatever it is. Um, I always tell people when it comes to the rate, it's whatever number you can say in the mirror without feeling uncomfortable or laughing. Like that's the rate you start at. Yeah, I, I love that advice. So now um, how about some advice for folks out there that are maybe struggling with their weight or struggling with maybe not um, eating the right foods? Is there some tips you can share about uh, kind of easing into a more healthy lifestyle? Sure. Um, the approach I like the most is the crowding out approach. And so what, what does crowding out mean? It means that you're adding foods into your diet rather than having all your focus on uh, restricting or eliminating other foods. And one of the foods that I, it's the first one that I start with, with pretty much everyone who comes to me, their diet is not high enough in protein. So, and, and protein is just not a fun, sexy food, <laughs> like the, the carbs. And um, I don't typically advocate like a low carb or no carb diet, um, but I do emphasize higher protein because there are just so many great effects that it has on us. And then by increasing the protein, that usually makes people feel fuller, so they're kind of not eating uh, as many, kind of the less nutritious foods? Yeah. So protein has a number of benefits. For one, um, it helps greatly with metabolism. Something that many people don't know is that we burn 30% of the calories that we ingest from protein just during the, just during digestion. So that's, that's a significant number of calories to, to burn versus Carbs, we burn, I believe, 10 to 15%. And fats, we burn 0 to 3% of the calories we take in from fats. So protein is a metabolism burner. You know, I like to say it stokes the embers of your metabolism, just to sound dramatic. But it is quite dramatic. It also helps us retain muscle as we lose weight. That's something that often happens when when you restrict your calories and you're losing weight, you're also going to lose muscle. We want to keep as much muscle as we have because it's more metabolically active. It, it keeps us um, safer and it, and it looks good. Um, and the other thing that protein does is it really helps uh, to stabilize blood sugar and give our brain and our gut the message that we're full so that we don't keep looking for snacks. Um, that's something actually, when someone tells me, you know, I have a really hard time in the evening or at night searching for snacks, they just can't feel full. I'll ask them, do you eat, you know, what did you eat 
as your first meal? And was it a protein rich meal? Did you have enough protein during the day? And often the answer is no. And, and once they start front loading the protein, I call it front loading. So getting as much protein as they can during the day, they feel a really big difference at night with their, their cravings for those carby snacks. Now, when you're working with someone and you mentioned you've been doing this for a while now, is it, are you able to tell if someone is serious about doing this? Because I, I know a person specifically that their doctor gave them kind of a scary, um, you know, uh, doctor visit. And they said, look, you're, you're on a, on a road to, um, some diabetes or, you know, some, some medical issues down the road. And you, and I recommend that you get kind of get your house in order nutritionally. And this person is like, well, what are you talking about? This is how I am. You know, they're not ready yet. I don't think, even though there's kind of a scary medical issue ahead, do you find that it takes some something kind of monumental to spur people to action? Or can you tell if they are, you know, they, my doctor said to do this, so I'm going to do it, but you know, they're really not going to put their all in it because they're really not bought in all the way. Yeah, I, I can tell pretty quickly. Um, most people who, who do come to me are ready and it's possible that it's because I have a lot of messaging against quick fixes and, um, you know, meal plans and, and diets and all of that. So they know that it's, it's going to be work and it's going to be a process. So maybe it's, it's skewed towards, um, people who are ready, but it's completely a, a mental shift that has to occur. And especially when I first started working and I, had people approach me who said, you know, I really want you to work with my, with my husband or wife partner. And I, and I'd say that's sure. Great. You know, sign them up. I'll work with them. That never worked. I mean, that was never a successful case. And that's because the, the spouse wanted it more than the person themselves. And it, it's never going to work if the person isn't truly ready for a change. Um, that readiness for a change is, is critical. And yes, you know, these monumental events in, in health with a doctor saying, if you don't do this, then you're going to be extremely ill or you're going to die prematurely. That often is what it takes for somebody, but even then it might not. And unfortunately, there's, there's nothing that anyone can do until that person is truly ready to change their lifestyle. Now, do you mind sharing a little bit about what the relationship looks like? You mentioned it's an online relationship. Uh, so obviously, there has to be some trust that the person is doing what you're recommending. But I guess the scale doesn't lie or whatever tools you are to measure is... <laughs> is kind of telling the truth at, at some point. Um, so can you talk about what the engagement looks like? Is it something um, where someone is reporting to you on a regular rhythm or you have access to certain technology that allows them to report to you um, in, in conjunction with some, I would imagine there's some support and accountability happening 
throughout the process to keep them on track when they do slip? Yes, for sure. Um, so I have all of my clients keep a food log and however they do it is up to them. Some clients enjoy my fitness pal. They just really like the app and they like numbers and data. And so they, they use my fitness pal. Other clients, they just jot it down on a regular notes app on the phone. And that's just fine too. Um, what's important is that they're recording their food in, in some way and they send it to me every day. And I don't use it to, you know, tisk tisk them like, why'd you eat this or why'd you eat that? It's not like that at all. It's it's really to get information to to see what's helping them and what might be stalling their progress and to come up with suggestions, ask some questions. Um, some of my clients really like to tell me about their day and their moods and their energy levels. And I enjoy that too, because I like, you know, food isn't necessarily in a vacuum. It's, it's tied to a, a lot of things. Um, and many of them are emotional. So I like to get the big picture and we kind of have a conversation online. Um, and it's a daily touch point, which I enjoy as well, because I think we digest information in small chunks. So it it's more manageable, I, I think, that way. So now is it like via Zoom call? Or are you kind of face-to-face -face with these folks? Is it via email? Or is there, um, like, yeah. how, how are you communicating? So it's all via email. When I first started, I had weekly phone calls and that was scheduled in in addition to the emails. And what I found over time was that the phone calls just, they weren't necessary, that the emails were really sufficient to continue this ongoing dialogue of support and accountability, um, cheerleading if necessary, but it, it worked much better than I even expected. And so that's what I've, I've kept. And if somebody wants to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you about um, your work, is there uh, like a website where they can connect with you and then maybe get a, do an initial call or some sort of a kind of a touching base to see if it's a good fit? Yeah, sure. Um, so my website is SharonSapir.com. And I'm also on Instagram at Sapir Nutrition. I like to post there daily with um, tidbits about nutrition and mindset. And yep, if, if they're interested, we schedule a Zoom call just to get to know each other. And um, I find out more about them. They found, find out more about me. And then if it's a good fit, um, we take it from there. And that website, one more time, is Sharon Sapir, S-H-A-R-O-N-E-S-A-P-I-R.com? Yes. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing such important work, and we appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much, Lee, for having me on. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio. Yeah.